Good to be in the house of the Lord once again. And I beg some liberty from you this morning as I discuss a few things from the Word of God just real briefly. Um, you know, what a wonderful thing it is for God to make known to you the truth. I was talking to somebody this last week about how they had an intellectual uh, appreciation for the history of Christianity. And um, I was very thankful as I related that, heard that from my own personal experience, because I conveyed that uh, well, my immediate thought was when I thought about the shepherds on the hills, you know, glory to God in the highest, angels, the news about the birth of the, the coming of the Messiah. And the Bible says it was made known unto them. That's good. There's a big difference. That's you know, One of the heartfelt agonies that all uh, parents have and loved ones is that our loved ones would be blessed of God to have the revelation of the knowledge of the glory of God and the truth as it is revealed in Scripture. That's good. And that's what our prayer is. Our prayer is that God would lighten upon our loved ones because we're so desirous that they themselves would see what we see. That the shepherds, you know, would be, you know, that their message would be... Um, well, anyway... Truth must be revealed, and I pray that you may have this morning more of an intellectual understanding of the Bible and the truth of God. But as I said, give me a little bit of liberty this morning as I convey to you various things this morning. What I wanted to share, if I can do this, uh, you know, the first point I wanted to present before you this morning, as it always is, I can't find what I'm looking for, is that truth... And the Bible conveys a very important aspect. And uh, we don't always see it ourselves. You know. But the Bible teaches us that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And sometimes a man by nature is blind to the fact that even his mind is darkened by, tainted by sin. Now, sin is something that we inherit from our our father. And we can trace it all the way back to Adam. He's the representative. Eve sinned. She stood in the transgression. Oh yes. But Adam was the representative of everyone here. Mm. And as he sinned, we all sinned. David said, in sin did my mother conceive me. And so there's no place along the line of our history, you know, in age that we can say that we were innocent. Now, some major religions do that. They have an age of accountability. But anyway, the fact is all of sin becomes short of the glory of God. We don't always see our sin, but sometimes we need to see ourselves as God sees us, as others see us. Others see our sin. Sometimes we ourselves do not. Bear with me. Ephesians chapter 4. Let me show you how, you know, number one, man is born into sin. Look at this. Having the understanding darkened 
being alienated from the life of God, 418, through the ignorance that is in them. And so we're blinded in a sense from our mind, alienated from the life of God in our mind. Our understanding, we don't perceive that the shepherds on the hills, it was made known to them what was going on. But all men naturally do not understand what we see that God reveals as we live. That's very simple, isn't it? But there's something in addition to our minds. The Bible says in the same text, it says, we're alienated from the life of God through the ignorance of the mind. Listen, because uh, through the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness This is really neat props I have for you today. Of what else? Not only our mind, but what else is corrupted? The Bible says the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. The heart, the mind. But I'm thankful that in the Bible, the scripture says that God sent forth his son. Born of a virgin, right? He dwelt amongst men. The Lord was sent from heaven. This is a what Paul says in 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 15. He says, This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation. Acceptation. I mean, it should be pronounced in the major headlines of the newspapers today that God has provided a way of escape for mankind who's blackened by sin. And that is in his son. And he said, this is a faithful sin and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And then Paul adds this, of whom I am chief. That's wonderful, isn't it? That's good news for man. That God has provided himself a lamb. Sacrifice. What did he do? You know, the Lord Jesus Christ had a miraculous birth. He had a Wonderful talent in raising the dead and healing the sick. But do you know all that can help you? Do you know that the birth of Jesus cannot help you and your sin? The fact that he was a great prophet and teacher and example of good things of God cannot help you this morning. He must go to the cross and shed his blood. And I thank God that when he shed his blood... He covered all my sin. Amen. He cleanses us. The crimson flow. The blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. When he took the cup, and this is recorded in Matthew chapter 26, what did Jesus himself say? Himself, what did he say? I know what everybody else said, but what did he say? He took the cup and he said, this is the cup of the New Testament of my blood which I shed for many for the remission of sins. You know what that represents? That's the Lord's Supper. And when the Lord's Supper takes place, it reminds us, the symbols that we use remind us of the shed blood, the crimson flow of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's good. Not the last supper, but the Lord's Supper. You know, there's the biggest denomination on the face of the earth when they get together every week and have communion, it's the Last Supper. It's not the Lord's Supper. And that's something that I'd like to share with you more about. 
Well, thank goodness that God sees us accepted in the beloved. And this is my last point. You know, the book of Revelation demonstrates a viewpoint of who we are from God's standpoint. I feel like something's still in my head. <laughs> Probably what that is. You know, you know that darkness that we have? You know, when we, with good works, and try to cover that darkness, it's really just a sheer. We can see right through it. it. You know, all our works. Our works are tainted with the works of unrighteousness. But when God sees us, according to the book of Revelation, Revelation chapter 7 and verse 9, I believe it is, He sees His people out of every kindred, tribe, tongue, and nation on earth. He sees them in robes of righteousness. White robes. This is how God sees me. You know, sin, the blackness of sin, corrupts the heart. We don't see it ourselves. Others see it. And it's a bit uncomfortable when we point it out. Now, last week, we shared some things from the scriptures that come very close to home. And I want you to think about how dark sin is and how, how terrible it makes you feel in your heart when it's exposed. You know, the Lord Jesus Christ, when he went to the cross... He took my sin and buried it as far as the east is from the west. Amen. He took your sin Amen. and covered it in the sea of his blood. No more to be remembered. Blotted out. And I just want to thank God that, I, that the love of Christ shed abroad and covers all our sins and we are accepted in the blood and the Lord bless you. Amen. Sure, appreciate the message that Elder Aquino has brought forth and uh, uh, the lessons that he's taught us. And I uh, want to look at Psalms chapter 71. Uh, we'll go down to verse uh, 1718, but uh, Psalm 71. Last week we looked at, uh, we were rejoicing in and still thankful for the, uh, the, the birth of Taylor and looked at how many references in scriptures there were about prayers that have been offered up on behalf of little ones even before they're born, maybe even years before they're thought of and then throughout their life and then the prayers that are offered up by our Lord Jesus Christ on our behalf, how that he prayed for us. Uh, above 2,000 years ago and how that we're continually being prayed for. Today I want to go to the opposite end of the spectrum. Uh, Psalm chapter 71, I'm going to start with verse 18 and then we'll back up. Now also, when I am old and gray-headed, hmm, Sister Laura was the only person that I've ever known that was in her 80s that she really did not have gray hair, did she? And her brother Roy used to kid her, and he really thought that she did. And he said, I don't know why my sister paints her hair. <laughs> well, she didn't. She didn't have gray hair, and she was in her 80s. But most of us, if we live to that age, the scriptures have a... Now, I wonder if it does matter if we color our hair. Um, 
I doubt that it does. The verse supports us the same. It says right here, Now when I am old and gray-headed, O God, forsake me not. Amen. And it mentions two things right here. And I think that this verse is for Sister Perry and all the rest of us. And she's an example that God is still using her in this way. There are two things that the psalmist says, Lord, would you keep me around a while longer for two reasons. He says, now when I am old and gray-headed, Lord, would you forsake me not? And he says, for two reasons, until I have showed thy strength unto this generation and thy power to everyone that is to come. The psalmist is simply saying right here, as long as I can still be used of the Lord to encourage somebody else, Lord, would you keep me around a while longer? Well, we can also flip that, if you will. I hear some folks say, when they reach old age, I don't know why that the Lord still keeps me around. But right here, we're told it may not necessarily be for our benefit, but it's for the benefit of others. Amen. He says right here, Lord, I want to show your strength and your power by my life to the generation that's there. And I, I think that doesn't just mean to the generation of my age group. I think it means to the generation that we're in right now. And that could be all ages in this generation. But he says, Lord, I want to, I want to show your power to this generation. I want to show your strength to this generation. And he says, and to everyone that is to come. You know why I know that Sister Linda and Sister Perry are testimonies to this right here? Is because they'll both tell you that they're not going forward in their own strength. They're going forward in the strength of the Lord. The responsibilities of being all that comes along with being 102 years of age would be pretty overwhelming. All that comes along with taking care of a mother that's 102 years of age would be pretty overwhelming if you didn't have the strength of the Lord. The strength that you have is above your own ability, but it's the strength of the Lord. You may, you may be looking at it and you may say, well, I don't know how they do it. I don't know how, I don't know how Sister Linda does it. I don't know how Shirley Carroll does it. I don't know how Sister Peggy and Caroline and others that have cared for their parents, Sister Greenfield, Sister Jeanette. I don't know how they do it. I can tell you how they do it. They do it not in their own strength, but they do it in the strength of the Lord. Amen. And as long as you're honoring the Lord and showing the Lord's strength, he may keep you around a while longer. Now, let's back up. I still see the evidence of props up here all around. I don't know if that's a sign that I'm supposed to put them on and use them. But uh, 
let's back up and let's just go through this chapter. It is so good. Lots of good promises here in this chapter. And you don't have to be 102 to get the benefits of this wonderful chapter. The, the backdrop to this chapter right here is that David is lamenting his condition. Saul has been after him for his life. His own son. You may say, well, I'm having problems with my children. Let me ask you. I don't know anybody that's having problems with their children to the point that their children wants to take their life. That was the situation that David was in right here. He was hiding in caves as he was running from his own son. So in addition to being fearful for his life, he also had that challenge of dealing with not only being fearful for his life, but it's his own family that's in pursuit of him. So he had problems on top of problems. Anybody ever experienced that, that you felt like that, you know, you've heard, heard folks say, well, bad things come in threes, and you can say, I don't agree to that. I think it's sixes or twelves or many more than that because I wish I could narrow it down to three bad things. David, right here, every direction that he looked, it looked like everything was against him. You ever feel that way? That everything is against you. I want to tell you something. It is not the Lord that's convincing you that everything's against you. If somebody's convincing you that all things are against you, it's not the Lord. You know how I know that? Because I know somebody that's for you. Who's for you? The Lord's for you. The Lord is your friend. The Lord is your strength. The Lord is your helper. The Lord is for you. Romans chapter 8 tells us. That he's for us. He goes on and he says, there's a whole lot of things that are against you. But he says, I'm for you. So David felt like he was almost overwhelmed because it looked like all things were against him. But then he would go back. He he, he would get discouraged and he would go back and he would run to the strength of the Lord. And he said, you know what? I'm still going to praise him even though I don't feel like praising him. I'm even, I'm going to praise him even though all things look like that they're against me. I'm going to praise him because he's going to give me the strength to praise him even though all things look like they're against me. Great lesson for us. Let's go through it. It's really, really, really good. Uh, This is a great chapter. It'll, honestly, I, 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 I don't know about you, but I tell you, I especially the older I get, I lean on. I I, I lean on. I cling to the promises of God to help me along the way. That strengthens me. That helps me. And I trust it does you as well. David starts out and he says, In thee, O Lord, do I put my trust. Let me tell you, if you're trusting in anything else, you're going to be discouraged. Bray, you may be trusting in your own strength sometime. You might be tempted to do that because you're a pretty strong individual. You're a pretty stout fellow. But if you live long enough, that strength's going to fail. And you'll be reminded to lean on the Lord. He says, in thee, O Lord, do I put my trust. He says, let me never be put to confusion. Deliver me in thy righteousness and cause me to escape. Incline thine ear unto me and save me. David is saying, 
you know, I, I don't think that David was saying right here, I want you to save me eternally. I believe David was already saved eternally. He had spiritual life, but David was saying, I need some help right now. Anybody ever find yourself in that situation? Lord, I need you to help me, and I need you to help me right now. And that's what David's saying. He says, be thou my strong habitation. I think that's a strong place of refuge, strong place to resort to. He says, be thou my strong habitation, where unto that I may continually resort. What does that mean? That I can run back to, that I can cling to. He says, be thou my strong habitation unto where I may continually resort. Thou hast given the commandment to save me. And he says, for thou art my rock. David is claiming this. You know, sometimes I, I, I read the scriptures out, out, out loud to myself. Uh, sometimes I read them out loud. I, I not only just read them, but I read them out loud to myself. And sometimes I write them down. I don't know about you, but I, I use, uh, anybody here uh, use yellow sticky notes? Sometimes I have to have sticky notes to remind me of, to look at the sticky notes, to see what I'm supposed to, supposed to do. If I have a thought, I better write it down really, really quick because I'll forget and I'm supposed to remind myself to do something. And so I use a lot of sticky notes. If you want to invest in something, invest in sticky notes. They're very, very helpful. Well, you can write down on sticky notes some of these verses and I tell you what, it'll help you. It'll be an encouragement to you. He says, for thou art my rock and thou art my fortress. Why do we need a rock and a fortress? Because we live in this ungodly, fallen, sinful world and we're sinful, weak creatures ourselves. And we get discouraged in the days in which we live and we need, we need something other than ourselves to lean on. And we need a place to go that we can get that strength and get that help. And David said, Lord, you are my rock and you are my fortress. He says, deliver me, O God, out of the hand of the wicked and out of the hand of the unrighteous and the cruel man. Sadly, sadly, David is talking about his own son, Absalom, as he's talking right there. Sad experience. For thou, O Lord, thou art my hope. O Lord, thou art my trust. And he said, you know what? I've been able to trust you all the days of my life. In fact, Lord, you are my strength and my help, even in my youth. When I was a young person, you were there to hold me up. And you've been there all through my life. He says, behold. He says, by, by thee have I been holden from the womb. Thou art he that took me out of my mother's bowels. My praise shall continually be of thee. He says, I'm a wonder. I am as a wonder unto many. But thou art my strong refuge. When I think of this verse... Uh, I'm reminded of different individuals. And, and, and some of you that have been around a long time, you'll remember some of these folks that I'm talking about right here. But Sister Edna Dolan fit the bill on that verse. Sister Edna Dolan, sadly, 
buried all three of her children. She started burying her grandchildren before she died. She lived within three months of being 100 years old, and she spent her 80s and 90s caring for other folks that were uh, afflicted. And yet Sister Dolan never uttered a word of complaint, but she would talk about how good God had been to her. Did you know what? That's a wonder to me. David said, I'm a wonder unto many. He says, let my mouth be filled with thy praise and with thine honor all the day long. And verse 9 is right in line with verse 18. It, it's almost, it, in fact, verse 18 references verse 9. David said, I've known you from my youth. I've served you off and on from my youth. You've always been there for me. You've always cared for me. You've always held me up. You've always strengthened me. And he says, now... When I'm facing old age, and I tell you what, we'd all like to be like Brother Farrington. Hit the 90s and just fly right on past him. We'd all like to be like Sister Perry. Hit 102 and have such a great attitude. Face life and be victorious over the challenges of life. But did you know that they're the exceptions? Most of the rest of us start feeling the effects of old age. You begin to notice some things aren't quite the same. I can tell you when you get in your 50s. The other day I went to the eye doctor and they checked my eyes and I said, I'm just not seeing the way that I'd like to see. I'm just not seeing the way that I, I feel like I should see. I think it's, I'm sure everybody says it, I think it's the glasses. They checked the glasses. They said, it's not the glasses. Let's check your eyes. They said, well, nothing to be alarmed about, but you're getting the beginning phase of cataracts. I said, Cataracts? That's for old people. That's for real old people. Everybody I know that has cataracts is old. And, and I, I know you, it, it's probably a mistake. They said, don't worry, it's not time to do anything yet, but it, this is, and, and, and it's not going to get any better. We're generally not going to experience the exception of the rule by. Brother Farrington and Sister Perry. You can go over to Ecclesiastes chapter 12 and it talks about old age. And it is just not an encouraging picture. It's not. It talks about the keepers of the house. Luke, you know what the keepers of the house are? It's your hands. You got a pretty steady hand right now. But when you get a little older, it says the keepers of the house start trembling. It talks about the eyes that the shutters begin to get a little bit dim. It talks about the hearing and it says that you can't even hear the grasshoppers. I enjoy listening to the birds. I get really excited in the spring when the birds start doing their thing. I, I enjoy that. 
but says your hearing begins to go. It says a little bitty step becomes a, a, like a mountain to you to overcome. And the description of old age is just not really encouraging. David says, I can see old age, or maybe I'm on the foothills of old age. I can see it on the horizon. And Lord, I'm going to claim your promise and ask that you forsake me not, even in old age. He says, Lord, forsake me not when I, in, in time of old age. He says, cast me not in time of old age. And he says, when my strength faileth. He says, cast me not in a time of old age when my strength fell. It's when, when, when I, we're not as strong as we once were. He says, my enemies speak against me. They, they lay wait for my soul. They take counsel together. They say, they say in looking at him, running and dwelling in caves, hiding from his son who wanted to take his life, hiding from Saul. He says, they say that God hath forsaken him. He says, they say God's forsaken him. You go ahead and persecute him and take him for there's none to deliver him. Even God will not hear him and God will not deliver him. But David says, oh God, no matter what others say, he says, be not far from me for God, you're my help. And he says, God, make haste or help me quickly. Let them be confounded and consumed that are adversaries to my soul. Let them be covered with reproach and dishonor that seek hurt, my hurt. You know what David is saying right here? Is if, if somebody else tries to discourage you and say, well, God's forsaken you because of all these challenges that you're facing, all the struggles that you're going through right here. You'd be like David, and he says, but I will hope continually. He says, and yet praise thee more and more. My mouth shall show forth thy righteousness and thy salvation all the day, for I know not the numbers thereof. You know what he's talking about right there? He says, I know not the blessings thereof. Can anyone number all the blessings that you've experienced of the Lord? My old pastor that's now with the Lord, he said, you get a little bit discouraged. He said, you start counting the blessings. We have a song about that. Count your many blessings. Name them one by one. It'll surprise you what the Lord has done. You know, if you ever get a little discouraged, you ever get down, you take a notepad. I, that's... The approach I use, you, you can do it on the computer if you want to or however you want to do it. And a sticky pad will not work in this fashion. But you take a notepad and you start listing the blessings that God is, a, is bestowing upon you and that he has bestowed upon you. And you'll be like David. He says, I know not the numbers of them. I can't even number all of the blessings that God has bestowed upon me in my life. He says, therefore... No matter what others say, no matter about the attacks of Satan, he says, therefore, I will go in the strength of the Lord. 
But you know what? If you could all claim that right here today, I'm not going forward in my own strength, but I'm going forward in the strength of the Lord. That's the lesson that David teaches by his example right here. And that's the lesson that he's saying, I want to be around as long as I can still show others the strength of the Lord. He says, I want to go in the strength of the Lord. Oh God, thou hast taught me from my youth. And hitherto have I declared thy wondrous works. Now, verse 18. Also, Lord, don't forsake me when I become old and gray-headed. You've been with me from my youth. You've protected me. You've been my guide. You've been my strength. You've been my help. You've been my all. Now, Lord, when I face old age and all the challenges that might come along with it. My grandfather was 89. Many of you knew him. Uh, His only challenge that he had is that he moved slow, real slow. In fact, one day we pulled up in church and we were a little bit late and I was trying to get granddad in and there was no way to speed granddad up. He had one speed and it was slow and here I'm pulling granddad along and brother Mike Stewart stands on the front porch step and he says, here comes the tortoise and the hare. (laughs) But my granddad lived to be 89 and a half and then he died. And I thought, what a great blessing. That's not the way it is for all of us. We face old age. And for many of us, there's probably going to be some challenges. Probably going to be some fear that creeps in. Probably going to be some anxiety. Probably going to be some discouragement. But David says, Lord, as you've been with me all down through the journey of life. I'm claiming that promise that you're going to be with me all the way. Sister Perry is a real-time example of God blessing the fulfillment of that verse. David said, I want to be around a while longer if I can just be an encouragement and show others your power, and your strength. May God bless you. There's still some more really good verses in the latter part of that chapter. It's a great chapter. Go home and read it. You'll be blessed by it as well. We're glad you've been able to listen to this podcast. We invite you to come and worship with us on a Sunday morning. Our services begin with hymn singing at 1030 a.m. Mount Carmel Primitive Baptist Church is located at 1707 Churchville Road in Bel Air, Maryland. If you've enjoyed this message, we invite you to subscribe to our podcast in iTunes or in your favorite podcast application.